is up, everybody? Welcome into the Longhorn Republic. We are a podcast of Burnt Orange Nation, your source for Texas Longhorns news, sports, and opinions with a little bit of snark mixed in. My name is Gerald Goodridge, and I am joined, like I am every week, by the poetical pastor, Mr. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how you doing this week? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, coming from you, that's an especially uh, beautiful introduction, sir. Might be my favorite so far. You know, Pharaoh Monch is not, not a bad way to go with, with anything. So Texas is coming off of a, I'm not going to call it a big win, but a win in, in Iowa State. So we're going to break down uh, how, what went right and what did not go so right against Iowa State. And then we'll do a bit of a Kansas State preview jumping in. So Kyle, Thursday night game in Ames. We talked about it last week on the show. Weird things happen in Ames on a Thursday night, and weird things happened in Ames on a Thursday night. Texas managed to squeak out a 17-7 to win. That game did not look like it was going to go either way. That's one of those where the lights come on at 2 a.m. in the club, and you're like, okay, somebody's got to go home with it. Who actually wants it? Uh, so that's that's where we <laughs> ended up. But uh, you know what? Texas is 1-0 in conference. So let's just what, – what happened on Thursday night? Yeah – uh, weird things indeed in Ames, not just that quarterback's hair, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, uh, it was a weird game. It was, I think you texted me after this It was one of the worst games we've ever watched, but there was, there was good things to take away. There was definitely frustrations that probably most of the Longhorn fan base will take with them. Um, let's start on a high note. So uh, one high note is is we came in with a little bit of fear of what the Iowa State team could be and and what the what that could do to the idea of Texas and the the confidence and the kind of uh, mojo that they brought with them after you know saying hey we're we're actually a a somewhere on the spectrum of decent team maybe good uh, after the USC game and, and if a loss to Iowa State uh, even when when they're a, a pretty good team is never good never good for a team's morale. So uh, we were a little bit worried about what that team could be. I mean, we said Cyclones have scored more than 40 each week. Uh, Texas allowed one touchdown, uh, and that itself came off a, a shanked 17-yard punt from, believe it or not, our best player, punter Michael Dixon. <laughs> um, just to note, though, he's, he still won the Ray Guy uh, punter of the week in a game in which he had a 17-yard punt because uh, he still averaged 47. So I, I'm only like 3% in jest that he's our best player. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we came in and, and a team that had been high powered, had been moving the ball, had been putting points on the board, had done it against, um, you know, pretty good talent in, in a team like Iowa. Um, we came in and we held them to, to one touchdown and, uh, we held their vaunted running back to, you know, uh, 34 yards, uh, on, on, just a few carries. We had sacks on a team that only had given up one sack uh, all season coming in. So a lot of things where we kind of sat on this podcast last week and talk about uh, question marks, and, and we weren't quite sure uh, were answered, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that Texas um, Texas looked good in, in a team that came out and passed maybe not as efficiently as the rest of the Big 12, but did pass the ball a lot. Give a little taste of what you're going to see in conference again. Not necessarily this week against Kansas State, but caveats aside, a little bit of Big 12 play, and uh, the Texas defense responded. Um, there were a lot of guys that you could single out and you could say were, you know, the MVP were the best player. Do you have any any standout performances that you saw from the defense this game? Yeah, and it's a guy that that doesn't show up a ton on the stat sheet, but he is. He'd probably challenge Michael Dixon for our top player. That's Puna Ford in the center of that defense. Like that dude is. 
is a block eater. Mm. Like he's just he's gonna grab a center. He's probably gonna grab a guard as well. And I think he's part of the reason why Malik has had this this um, I, I don't know Malik connaissance. Connaissance, yeah, that's that's good. So I think that's part of the reason why is that you know Puna Ford is playing so well. Like he only had two tackles on the day, but he there's a reason why they had to abandon the run. It's because there was no space to run. He was he was eating up both a gaps. He was just dominating the point of attack, uh, and then that does allow, like I said, a guy like uh, like Malik to to come up with six solo tackles and a sack, and and that was probably my most impressive play where he just had some stinking wheels. You know the park roll to the left and and Malik was was spying him and when he saw okay I'm gonna I'm gonna shut this down he closed the distance in a flash and brought him down in the open field where a year ago Malik gets gets shook on that play yeah yeah and it, that's just the reality of the situation I agree and I think we should go with Jefferson I'm sorry we missed that the first time but mm, Jefferson yeah. yeah that's great yep. That's fantastic. I couldn't come up with it on the fly. There was there was no show notes on that. But so the the defense individually, and then you know you can't you can't not talk. You have to talk about Deshaun Elliott. Like you yeah. just have to talk about that guy. Um, he's he is um, in the right place at the right time, but but in a much better way than Texas has seen in recent history. It's not just he's in the right place at the right time and comes up with big plays, but he's in position. He's he's covering his man. He's over the top. He's he's playing center field in a way that I don't know if Texas has seen since Earl Thomas was back there. And so I think he is he is probably the bright spot in that uh, secondary where where we thought a guy like PJ Locke was going to be this year. So I think those three guys, if I had to call out three names and give give you know helmet stickers or whatever away, those would be my three guys that I would say are are the the linchpins of that win. You know, Iowa State only had three carry three rushes. Uh, Montgomery only had three rushes in the second half. He had one in the fourth quarter. Like they completely abandoned the run because they were getting nothing. and that wasn't even like a Texas team was dominating. They're up by forty points and they had to play catch up. I mean, I, it was a comfortable ish game, but they weren't out of that. If they were moving the ball running, they would have kept running. I mean, you're you're right. That was purely just taking what they do well. And taking it away from him and saying no, and I you got to love that yeah. kind of defense. We're gonna force Jacob Park to beat you, and when you, when he gets a hand in his face, he showed he's gonna sail balls, and and those Texas defensive backs were in position to do it. So uh, you know the defense obviously the story of the game. They absolutely dominated. They they really uh, once again are the reason why Texas was able to to have a positive showing. You know this time it was a win. Uh, so Kyle, the offense though. Um, the offense, the offense, the offense. I don't, I don't know what, what to say about the offense. Can we just turn this into a defensive football podcast and only talk about the defense? So far, that's uh, that's all I really am getting any joy out of. Now we can talk, we can talk offense if you must. That's where I'm just going to leave it. Like what, what is going on with this offense? With all the talent they have, the offense was one of the brighter spots last year, and it seems like they've regressed. You know, under under Tim Beck's play calling. So what's what's going on? Yeah. Um, Man, Tim Beck, that's that's a good, pretty good place to start. Um, I, I don't think you can put it solely on him. We do love a good offensive coordinator scapegoat at, at Texas. Um, I, I I don't know if it was just me with hashtag hire Greg Davis, but uh, but I, I'm I've come come 180 <laughs> degrees on on that position. But uh, but yeah, I mean it's this, the play calling is just it's bad. It's it's atrocious. It's not. Uh, it's it's inexplicable at times. You know, you sit there watching games, uh, and I watched with a few friends, and and none of us are professional offensive coordinators. But it's just like we could call plays that they were gonna r- run that seemed obvious. They would run plays that didn't seem obvious, but it, then it was like, well, why would you do that in that situation? Uh, it's it's just dumb, you know. Like or or 
you know, your quarterback is, uh, is been dinged up and, and has, you know, gives 150 pounds to his running back, but okay, let's run that quarterback power again. You know, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I don't really know where to start, um, on, on the offense. Um, typically we like to start with the bright spot. That's the receiving core and they didn't do anything wrong. I, I don't have any, uh, qualms about what they did, uh, in this game. I think they were a solid unit. Um, but out, outside of that, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what I really saw on the offense that, that made me, made me excited. Um, Chris Warren on the first drive, I got a little scared that he was eating up all his allotment of carries, uh, on the first drive, but he, uh, he did get us a touchdown run. Um, he showed some flashes of what he can do. Um, I would love to see instead of 16 carries to see him get, I don't know, 25. Um, Kyle Porter, who I've, I've, uh, you know, tried to, tried to hold back the dogs a, a couple times on this show, um, already about him because I am, uh, I am, absolutely a uh, a homer for someone who shares a name with me um and but i mean his stats are actually inflated as sad as it is they're not great but inflated by fourth quarter when it looked like that defense was just exhausted i was calling it fourth quarter porter he was actually getting you know he may have had 15 yards of yard uh yards after contact in the fourth quarter and he may have had one the entire three quarters before that he would just i mean it looked literally he got to a wall and then flopped down um i just you know actually i think you know some of our younger backs you saw Tennille carter um look good if he's going to be out there doing that I, I almost feel like you know and they seem to trust him at least you know almost as much as warren give him some more touches um if you're not going to give it to our giant son of a you know all pro running back who himself has flashed moments of you know all conference or higher potential then i don't know try something else because it's just uh I don't know. It's it's pretty frustrating to to watch it as a fan when, like you said, you know how much talent you've seen them uh, flash little bits of it, but they they can't put it together, and they especially can't put it together against a good team. Uh, and you think about what that means heading into the Big Twelve Conference, and I got to be honest, it makes me a little bit worried. Um, did you have any any offensive specifics uh, that you wanted to call out besides maybe the quarterback, I guess, battle? We can, we can talk about that just a little bit. I, I'm just, I, you know, you look at the stats and, and Bouchel was 19 of 26, like, and it doesn't feel like he completed that many passes because they only went for 171 yards. And so looking at the box score, you've got Lil Jordan Humphrey, four catches for 36 yards with a long of 28, which means that the other three catches totaled eight yards. Like these dink and dunks are not getting it. Colin Johnson, two catches, 27 yards with a long of 25. So his other catch, two yards. To Neil Carter, two catches, 23 yards, a long of 22. So his other catch, one yard. Like, there, there, is, there is something anemic about that passing game, and I'm not sure if it's the play calling. I'm not sure if it's Bouchelle being a little gun-shy after coming back from an injury. Like, I'm not sure what it is, but if these players don't make something after the catch, they're not, they're not coming up with yardage. Because I'm really thinking, like, I'm trying to think back to a long play, and the longest one I can think of is Tennille Carter's run, and that was because he made a move out of the back. You know, he, he caught it out behind the linebackers and was able to make something happen. You know, he outran the defense. But outside of that, I don't, there's a lot of bubble screens happening. There's a lot of, uh, you know, dinks and dunks, but you've got to take the top off the defense at some point to get those dinks and dunks to really relax. Yeah, and I mean, you have to give a little bit, just a little bit of leeway, and we'll give it one more week. Maybe I don't know what's going to change, but the offensive line, I mean, you came in thinking, okay, we might have one question mark, two question marks. You lose three starters. You lose, uh, you know, three guys, three three guys that the coach can count on, including your All-American, your your captain, your leader on that unit, um, and really, you know, one of the leaders on that team. That's tough. I get that. But, uh, I mean, 
this is the University of Texas. You have a bunch of kids who are the best player, you know, in their, you know, greater, you know, area of, of Texas. You know, they were the best player in San Antonio or the best that, you know, like you should have some talent. We shouldn't be that paper thin, uh, especially in this long in the rebuild process where we're, we're that devastated. And I get it, there's circumstances, but it just seems like if we're going to keep using the excuse of offensive line and that's why we can't run, but that's also why we can't pass. I don't know. I just, I, I'm not ready for another year of, Oh, but if, um, and like I said, I, I mean, I, I would love, there was a little update. Um, just FYI, Connor Williams is not at this point going under the knife. They're reevaluating. So I think that, uh, is reason to be a little optimistic. You know, maybe he can make a late season return. Um, if it's not quite as bad as originally estimated, and that would probably do a lot. Um, but I do think we have to talk about the quarterback because, uh, like you said, the Tamil Carter throw where, where Michelle stood in the pocket, took a hit, um, and, and got it out there at a good, good throw on the money was about the only throw, uh, that made me say, wow, okay, there it is. You know, there's, there's something. Um, and I mean, like we said after that game in the USC game for Ellinger for all his freshman kind of uh, tendencies and sometimes when you when you wanted more from him, I saw a couple more wow plays from him. I saw a couple more um, even even throws because he you know he's more the the runner even throws that uh, said wow okay that's a that's a that's a playmaker's play um, and so if if Michelle is going to be the guy and he's the anointed one um, I, I don't know where his deep ball is gone if he still hasn't completely recovered or he's changed his game from, from last year, but the deep throws haven't been there uh, like they have uh, in, in the past. And, uh, and it seems like the only thing he's comfortable in, like you said, is the, is the little three to five yard uh, routes. And, uh, and that's just, that's not going to cut it. This is a league that, that you got to come up with, you know, three, 400 yards passing to win. Like it is what it is, unless you've got, you know, one of those three or 400 yard rushing games. That's, that's what you have to do to win. And so I think the, the offensive production is not going to get it done. 17 points is going to get you run out of, out of the cotton bowl. It's going to get you run against OSU. It's going to get you run against Baylor who put up numbers against Kansas state this last weekend. TCU Um, who looks scary. Here's, here's the sad reality. And as much as I love Shane Bouchelle, he's been great. As much as I love Ellinger, he think he's been great. I don't know if they're going to be the guy after this year. I don't know if either of them are going to be the guy. Texas has got some some studs coming in, and it, you know I don't want to be the guy that says every year, oh, we've got the blue chip quarterback coming in. Uh, we've got the blue chip quarterback coming in, but Cam Rising and Casey Thompson are more than likely going to end up in burn orange next year, and both of those guys are legitimate world beaters. Like you know, Cam Rising is a monster pro style quarterback, and Casey Thompson is a is a you know Tom Herman type of quarterback in the dual threat. He's he can run, but he's got a he's got a stinking cannon attached to his right shoulder. So um, you know, I think I think. Bush, if they can get the run game going, I think Bush really improves. If they can, if they can soften up a Kansas State defense and get those cornerbacks to cheat up a little bit, I think Bush can go for three or four hundred yards. You know, he, we've seen him do it. Um, you know, we we saw uh, Baylor gash Kansas State this weekend, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute. Texas has just got to figure out what its identity is on offense. Are we going to be a running team? Are we going to be a zone read team? Are we going to be a play action team? But figure something out and and stick with it. Stick with it, and I think that's where your success. Yeah, and you know what? One of the weirdest stats is I, I I don't know exactly how to wrap my mind around this right now. Texas is ninth in the country in time of possession, uh, averaging thirty four <laughs> minutes a game. So I really don't exactly like I've watched these games. I don't know how that's happened. Um, it's not you know pounding the ball, running it with great success outside of San Jose State. 
uh, maybe it's completing the short passes and keeping the clock running. Uh, I think it also has a lot to do with our defense forcing three and outs and getting off the field. Um, again, shouts to our defense, but that stat just jumped out at me. We're also 11th in net punting. We've we've done. We'll talk maybe a little bit uh, about some of the the non-offensive things that we can do. Uh, but we've done a great job with the field position swinging uh, swinging field position with Dixon. Uh, truly, like I said, one mistake does not uh, a bad punter make. He is he is NFL caliber, and I think we'll see him on Sundays. He's that good. But uh, you know they've they've had a couple things that have that have looked pretty good. I think the biggest one for me, uh, the red zone defense is phenomenal. It is ninth in the country. They are they've let people in there eleven times and only given about five touchdowns and seven total scores, um, which is which is fantastic. But then that offense, uh, and we remember this from the beginning from the Maryland game, uh, they're still they've had sixteen trips and and ten touchdowns and only one field goal. That's not good enough. So. Um, that comes down to a little play calling, a little execution, and like you said, a little bit of identity. So uh, those will be things that I'm really looking forward uh, in this Kansas State game because I don't think this is a Kansas State team that's a world beater that that uh, you know matches up with Texas in a way that's that's especially problematic. But I also think that they're a Bill Snyder team. They're well coached. They're they're going to come in and wait for you to to mess up and then just you know jump right on it. They. Uh, they're waiting in the grass, just just waiting, and then they strike and they take advantage of, of when they have the opportunities because they know that's what they have to do. So, um, I think we jump right into the the K State and say what we think we're we're looking at this week. Absolutely, I was going to use that as a transition. That was that was really good. You should maybe just host next week. Yeah, so you're <laughs> right. Kansas State is three and one. Um, there are three wins. I'm I'm not going to call them a suspect three and one, but I'm going to call them a suspect three and one. Their three wins are over Central Arkansas, uh, something called Charlotte, and Baylor, and their only loss is to uh, to Vandy. Say what you want about the SEC being down this year. The SEC is down this year, and, and losing to to the worst team in the SEC um, doesn't bode well for your future. So Kansas State is a is a suspect three and one. Uh, so Kyle, Kansas State has been a bugaboo for Texas mm-hmm. uh, overall. You know, since since um, since World War Two, I think is the stat. Texas is four and nine against Kansas State. So what like what does it look like for now granted we say they're four and nine the last two years it's basically been a home and home. Texas has won the two games and Austin, Kansas State has won the two games in the little apple Manhattan, Kansas. So uh, Texas gets them at home this Thank year goodness. so put that in the check column. So what do you think needs to happen against against the wild Yeah the last time we won in at Bill Snyder sideline on Bill Snyder Highway at Bill Snyder F- Field in Bill Snyder Hatton uh, Kansas um, was 2002 um, they have owned us and in fact I, I hate but love because I love Mac Brown but hate but also love the stat that Mac was pretty good he uh, he he beat a lot of teams but only uh, he, <laughs> Bill Snyder accounted for 15% of all the losses that Mac Brown accrued and they only played in half of the seasons uh, because back then we you know had divisions which is just nuts like that's <laughs> that's a crazy stat but so Bill Snyder and they uh, they have had Texas's number it's a long running joke, um, but I, I'm hoping that the young blood, the Tom Herman uh, energy, the kind of the way he I like that he went into the Iowa State game and said, man, they've owned us. Look at this, the recent series like we're going in treating this like it is like I'm hoping he, he looks at that and he says, look, guys, Kansas State has owned us. Let's change this. Let's uh, 
let's they think of this like a rivalry you know let's let's do it um so i'm hoping they come in and they're prepared and uh they use a little bit of the kind of like i said half by week where we play on a thursday coming out of a bye so you get a little extra time to game plan um for kansas state and, and hopefully for the future uh oklahoma opponents coming after that but uh but they get a chance to to look at this this ksu team and and i think maybe even get a little bit of redemption because I think with with that Kansas State offense and, and even their defense to some extent, you see a lot of similarities to uh, to Maryland. If you just look at the stats, um, they, they're going to run kind of a similar game. They have they have a couple guys who can run the ball, especially their quarterback. So there's going to be um, some quarterback powers. There's going to be a lot of read uh, option stuff. Um, and, and Ertz is a is a gamer. He's he's exactly what you think of when you think of non L Roberson um, or, uh, or excuse me, Bishop, uh, Michael Bishop quarterbacks at Kansas state, just kind of a big old farm boy who puts his head down like Colin Klein, lowers his shoulder and runs through. He could be a tight end. Um, but he's actually a really good runner against Baylor at almost a hundred yards. Um, they're, they're uh, 27th in the country in rushing, uh, just behind Maryland, but they're also 104th in passing, which they edged out Maryland, who's 106. So like I said, their offenses have a lot of similarities. Um, but one thing with Kansas state that I saw against the Baylor team is just Butterfingers. I mean, we've had no room to really complain about our receivers. That's been our one bright spot, and that's absolutely been the worst part of the Kansas State team. Um, I mean, they their completion percentage is like 120th in the country or 125th, something really, really bad, um, 52%. But but a lot of those are honestly drops. Ertz had a touchdown to his best receiver, to, to Zuber, just literally dropped through his hands. They had to settle for a field goal against Baylor. Um, so I don't know how they fix that. Uh, hopefully they don't. But, uh, you know, Bill Snyder's a really good coach. You imagine those guys are going to be working on that, especially for this game, which is a big game for them. Um, but what that tells me is that they're not going to rely on the pass. So, so where we said Iowa State is kind of like a Big 12 light, they do Big 12 things, but maybe not as good as the, the Oklahoma and Oklahoma States of the world. Uh, Kansas State's always the outlier. They're going to run the ball. They're going to drain the clock. They're going to play field position. They have a couple special teams touchdowns this year. Um, they are uh, – they have, you know, another another – uh, game breaker the safety I think there's only been two safeties in the Big 12 to be defensive player of the week and, and Deshaun Elliott is two of them and, and the Kansas uh, free safety is the other so I mean they have some they have some they always have one or two guys uh, but for the most part they have a game plan that they stick to and they will grind it and they will execute and they will block and they will wait for you like I said to make a mistake so this is a chance for Texas to prove you know that they aren't that team. They aren't going to be the turnover prone team that Tom Herman was talking about, that they aren't going to be the team that beats themselves, that gets the holding penalty, that kills the drive, uh, that they can execute. And I think if they execute, I think this should be a pretty good game for Texas. Kansas state goes the way Jesse Ertz goes. He mentioned him off top, but he's literally their leading passer and their leading rusher. He's got over a thousand yards this year and eight touchdowns. He is the the way that their offense goes, you know. So I think if you can find a way, and I don't know if it's possible because he's basically a linebacker playing quarterback. If you can find a way to rattle him, if you can find a way to get in his head, slow him down some way, or make him one-dimensional, you know. And the one dimension you want him to be is passing, even though, you know, he's got, um, you know, 700 yards this season. But, but he's if he passes too much, it's going to end up – going poorly for them you know he's basically got about 20 attempts per games and, and 10 completions per game so he's about 50 percent uh, but the thing that really Texas needs to look out for is they have depended on the turnover to, to spark their offense they've depended on the turnover to uh, to generate points you know they've, they've depended on the turnover uh, to keep themselves in the game and that's not something that a Bill Snyder team is going to do uh, a Bill Snyder team is going to take care of the ball 
They're going to run the ball aptly. They're going to grind out four yards in a cloud of dust. Four yards three times is 12 yards to get you a first down. That's all you need. They're not going to turn the ball over. They're not going to put the ball in the air that much. Um, so you've got to find a way to to take care of the ball because if you give it away two times and Bill Snyder's team gives it away one, you're you're not going to be in a good position. So I think that's that's something that Texas really needs to iron out. They have made a living off of turnovers, and if they cannot force Iowa, uh, Kansas State into turnovers, which is not something that anybody has really been able to do right. this year, uh, they're going to be in a world of hurt. Well, in, in a lot of Texas's turnovers, too, I think they've only had one fumble recovery. They've been pretty much interceptions, and we definitely had to sh- uh, shout out to Sean Elliott, but Holton Hill as well has been a playmaker. Um, but again, if our, our biggest playmakers as far as turnovers are in the secondary and they're throwing the ball, 13 times against us you're right you know it's it's uh it's hard for them to do that so that's going to require all those guys you talked about Puna Malik the linebacking core the edge rush it's going to require uh everyone playing well in Texas looking like the team that you know has taken the run game away from offenses that really rely on it so that'll be I think it their offense plays into the the strength of Texas but it's it's not just getting a stop you know, holding them once, it, they're going to keep coming at you and keep pounding in and keep sticking to their game plan. Um, and, and like you said, one thing, uh, Kansas State is one of the best in the country. They have nine forced turnovers, only given up three uh, in four games. They're plus six. Texas is a zero. They've taken away eight, but they've given up eight, which is uh, which is just not good, and that's not gonna that's not going to win any games. But like you said, Texas is the only team in the country averaging more than one non-offensive touchdown per game, which is an awesome stat. I love this. I hope this is the Tom Aaron, Tom Herman era uh, signature. I hope that's a thing we can we can look forward to watching every week. But you can't do that um, when they're holding the ball with two hands and and going down on contact instead of fighting for the second yard like a like a well coached team. Um, so I think what this comes down to for me is that Texas is going to have to do like Baylor and have some big plays. They're going to have to they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit if they if they want to stick to it and get get Warren going, get uh, maybe Porter, but I think Carter should get some touches. But I think where they're really going to have some luck is with that that speed um, and that talent you have in the receiving core. If you spread Kansas State out like Baylor's done, Baylor had uh, two seventy yard scores against them that that accounted for a lot of their offense, but they're gashable, you know. Um, they're they're susceptible to the big play. Um, uh, if you have Colin Johnson and 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 Hurd and and Foreman, and you have these guys, you have to pick your poison a little bit at that point. If you're Kansas State and you only have one guy who can match up with any of them, um, you have to you have to kind of guess and you have to hope. And so I think maybe this is the game where we see that Texas passing game uh, kick in, just because they they're going to out talent them. And uh, and I think the speed that you have out there, and I, you know, you've been banging it, the drum all all year for Colin Johnson. I I, I hope that we see a game like we saw um, against USC. Um, I hope we see him get the option and the, the opportunities to do that and not only get targeted three times in a game. You know, I think we need to know what our weapons are and then we need to use them. Denzel Mims had a field day against this Kansas State secondary, and he's basically diet Colin Johnson. So if you can find a way to get Colin Johnson the ball, like like I said, yeah, if Denzel Mims can do it, I think Colin Johnson can do it and then some. I think he could he could really light it up. My prediction against Iowa State uh for the site was hundred and fifty and two scores for Kojo and I think you know he could totally do that again. Or he could do that this week and he definitely didn't do it last week. Um I think he has the opportunity because there's not there's not a player in that Kansas State secondary that matches up favorably with him. And if you can get a guy like Armonte Johnson and Lil Jordan Humphrey, get those two guys crossing underneath and you go long, it's game over. I I'll just say it. Like I I would take that matchup. I would I would watch 
Shane Bouchel throw that four times to score twice on it. I'd, I'd watch him throw it five times to score twice on it because that's really what you need to do against this defense is, is take the top off, force them into a big play, force them out of their identity because they're a passing team, force them out of that, or a running team, excuse me, force them out of the running the ball, force them to pass, and that's where you win. That's where it starts to snowball. If you can put two scores up, they're going to have to go away from away from the run, and they're going to have to beat you with the pass, and, and that's not what their strong suit is. And, and you mentioned the running game. If this team can play assignment football, if the linebackers and linemen can play assignment football, they're going to match up favorably talent for talent. This is don't, Zone reads is just assignment football. Know your man, stay with your man, play your man. And last week, like we, uh, or this week, we have a linebacker playing quarterback. Last week, we had a quarterback playing linebacker, and though Joel Lanning had 20 tackles, and looked incredible. Uh, at the end of the day, that's a talent mismatch. And Texas was able, he was there in the middle, but it was often, you know, catching a guy who just caught a ball or getting dragged two yards. You know, he was there, uh, but you can win that battle in the same way when Ertz is there and he's going to get the touches and he's going to look good. If you're better, if you have the talent, you can win that matchup. Um, and, and I think Texas should do that all day. I don't know. Are we doing predictions here? We can. What do you think? Uh, I, I mean, I just kind of spitballing it. I think, I think Texas defense continues to look good. I think scores are minimal. They they only give up maybe they gave up seven last week. Give it goes up to ten this week because uh, Kansas State does have an efficient kicker. Uh, maybe it's uh, maybe it's thirteen with two field goals. But either way, I think Texas is going to get a solid thirty-five. Um, and if if that you know if they score a touchdown and two field goals, um, I'm fine with thirty-five to thirteen and feeling really good about this. I think the flex to that is Texas gives up you know has a turnover or two that that goes the other way and this ends up like a a twenty-eight to 31 game and then i'm i'm literally you know chewing my fingernails off um, but i'm going to stick with my earlier one i think i'm not going to hedge i think that texas comes out wins this by two two scores at least um just on a talent perspective and that we finally see a texas team that executes and performs and doesn't shoot themselves in the foot see i i think texas goes down early i think they're not prepared for the run game i think maybe going into halftime tied 14 up and then they come out, put a couple of scores on the board, and end up with like a 28-21, you know, 28-17 type of situation. I think mm. I, I just I have seen too many Kansas State games to feel any other way than Kansas State's going to start rolling early and Texas is going to have to rebound to, to win the game. I do think they're going to win. I do think it'll be, like I said, you know, 28-17, 28-21 situation. But I do not think Texas is going to dominate this game simply because – Again, I've seen what this offense can do this year. I've seen the play calling, and until I until I see something otherwise, I'm going to assume that they're that the play calling is going to stifle the offensive talent, and that's 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 what I've seen, and that's what I'm going to continue to to, to believe until I see anything else. You heard it here first, Gerald. I'm going to double down on my optimism with your pessimism. Texas Fetty Wops Kansas State. Kansas State loses 17-38. Wow. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm not pessimistic, Kyle. I'm just I'm just I've seen too many of these to to not. I agree, but this is a new era, and I also have just really wanted to work my own hip hop references into this because you've been killing it with the intros. So, I I appreciate that. <laughs> so, Kyle, we are running out of time today. So, quickly, what are you banging the drum on heading into Kansas State? Um. So we've talked about it a bunch, and just to just to crystallize it, Texas is a paltry 120th out of a total of 129 eligible teams in the football cs whatever that stands for um in penalties per game at uh nine and a quarter for 84 yards a game um that's 
when you're a team that is putting up 60 points and you know you think Baylor Oklahoma State these teams that just spread it out if you have some penalty yards that's not good but when you're a team that's kind of scraping by a little bit and you think how many drives and games this season have been holding penalty negated a touchdown or a a big uh, a big gain that ended up in us either making or missing a field goal you know in those really swinging crucial penalties we had them against Maryland I mean we've, we've had them throughout the season um, but you know uh, nine and nine and a quarter penalties for 84 yards is not going to do it especially against like we said a Bill Snyder team and I don't want to steal I don't think this is yours because I haven't heard literally anyone else say this in the in the greater sports media but the game Saturday is Bill Snyder's 78th birthday yeah we are playing the wizard on his birthday so I want to give him the worst present of all time which is we out execute Kansas State and we do not get more than, you know, say six penalties with our averages is almost nine and a half. So my stat for for this game is you, you mentioned it earlier. Texas is ninth in the nation in in time of possession, averaging 34 minutes, 15 seconds on offense for a total of 137 points this year. They have scored 138 points this year. <laughs> meaning that they're scoring one point per minute on offense. So if Kansas State continues to dominate time of possession and it goes 25 time of possession, that means that Texas is going to only score 25 (laughs) points in this game. And that terrifies me. So I think they've got to figure out a way to be more efficient on the offensive side of the ball. That's that's a long way around to, to talk about to talk about that. But I think that that's what we really have to look out for is is when they get the ball. You know, time is going to be at a premium on Saturday. So when they get the ball, how quickly are they able to move it down the field? How quickly are they able to get in the end zone? Because you've got to be, and especially against you know Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, where they're averaging you know three four points per minute. You know where Texas is at one right now. You've got to speed it up you've got to get more points on the board in faster time because that's the only way you can compete in the big 12 well guys thank you so much for listening in again this week if you like what we do it would mean a ton if you would leave us a rating or a review on itunes stitcher or wherever you find this podcast kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet Uh, you can find me on twitter at kyle carpenter uh you can find the weekly texas pregamer over at barking carnival Awesome. You can find me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. You can find the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Feel free to send us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. And you can find all of your Texas Longhorns news, sports, and opinions over at BurntOrangeNation.com. Thank you so much for listening in again this week. And until next time, thanks and welcome. Okay.